Hey, welcome to This Expat Life, and I love that you are listening or watching the show again. And today I am in the digital studio with another guest, with Ileana Quinones. Ileana has over 20 years of experience as an IT executive at, lar at large enterprise software companies and high-tech startups, including Salesforce, BEA Systems, and many more. She's also the founder of IQ Accelerate, a firm focused on startup advising and professional coaching services. And originally from Mexico City, she has worked in three different continents and is a passionate advocate for equality, diversity, and inclusion in the workplace. And uh, Ileana now lives in San Francisco, California, with her husband and their two daughters. Welcome, Ileana. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you for the invitation to be part of your podcast. And good morning, good afternoon, or even good evening, depending on where the audience is located. I hope you enjoy the podcast today. And as Amanda said, I'm originally from Mexico City, but I am actually joining the podcast from San Francisco today. Yeah, that's my background. I can see the Golden yeah. Gate Bridge. I usually ask this to all my guests, but there's no need to, need to ask you. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, good. Nice that you're calling in. Um, and like you say, there are a lot of people around the world listening to this episode. So it can be good morning, good afternoon, or good evening for them. And this is also what I love about our community, that it's so international. And this is something that you know very well as well. Can you share a little bit more about the three continents that you've worked in? Absolutely, Amanda. Yeah. So as I said, I'm originally from Mexico City. So after finishing my, my degree, my bachelor's in computer science, and even before then, I started working in Mexico. So I have a lot of experience working in Mexico and also in countries in Latin America. Uh, and then as my career progressed, I had the opportunity to come work in, in Europe, um, especially in Spain. I had some projects going on in Spain. And then for a time, I also had the opportunity to work in countries like Japan with teams in Japan oh. and also a couple of countries in Africa. Uh, those were remote engagements, so I didn't have the opportunity to go live there, but I did have the experience of working with people in those areas too. When mobility was a new thing, if you can imagine that, right? 10, yeah. 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, exactly. And so now you're based in San Francisco. You have your own company now. Is that what you do full time? Or are there other things that you do? That is, uh, that is true. So I am based in San Francisco. So my last corporate role was at a company called Salesforce. Um, probably some people in the audience know that that's one of the top uh, 10, top five, or even top three now uh, so enterprise software companies in the world. Uh, they are headquartered in San Francisco. Uh, I left the company about a year ago. And then from there, I decided to start my own consulting business. Hence, I founded IQ Accelerate with the idea that uh, I had been already involved as a volunteer and mentor for startups in the startup ecosystem very focused on helping uh, Latinx or underrepresented minority founders uh, try to accelerate their path to success. So imagine helping them validate their idea, their product market feed, finding funding, how yeah. do they actually thrive here in the States to try to, to grow their companies. And the other part of my business is consulting and coaching. So I'm an executive, an executive coach. I use a specific methodology and I'm very focused on women leaders. Um, so that's called the Beyond Barriers methodology. So very focused on your individual growth as a woman and as a woman leader. And that's what I do full time. Amanda, I do startup advising and professional coaching and consulting. Amazing. And uh, can you share a little bit about how you got to the idea of starting, uh, sorry, coaching startups and also helping underrepresented minorities, uh, focusing on Latinos and Latinas and, and also women? What brought you to that? I think it was my, my personal journey, Amanda, and definitely influenced what I'm doing now. I think for a long time, I knew that I was very passionate about coaching and mentoring. So helping people develop and grow both professionally and personally. And that's what I did 
even when I was working for corporations or small or big companies, I was mentoring a lot of people. I would always take a lot of coaches, mentor my own direct reports and all that. So I was doing that internally at the companies and also with some community organizations that were focused on mentoring. Uh, yeah. But also on the startup side, because I love technology, over there I've been in technology more than 25 years. I love technology. I love innovation and I love startups, right? Because they are the ones that fuel that innovation and growth uh, in the ecosystem. However, I was doing that on a volunteer basis because I didn't have enough time. So I could only do it as a side gig when I was at my corporate roles. Yeah. Um, so when I saw the opportunity to really move from a mentoring, uh, startup advising capacity on a volunteer type basis and really move it to say, you know what, I can dedicate myself to this. I can really help the people more and I can create more impact in the ecosystem. Why? Two reasons. Uh, why in terms of focusing on Latinx founders or underrepresented minorities, which by the way, in the U.S., when you call URMs or underrepresented minorities, usually you're talking about women or communities that have a low representation here. And there, to give you an example, in the U.S., those communities are usually referred to as Latin communities, the African-American communities, uh, native indigenous people, and some others. But women are considered a minority, believe it or not. So that's an interesting topic. But for me, yeah, exactly. So for me, those communities are the ones that usually have more challenges accessing opportunities, whether those are opportunities in the job market or opportunities to get funding if you're a startup or even opportunities to, to get access to networks that could be supported in your growth path. So I think for me, that was the main, the main reason. So help the communities that have usually the most challenges, because guess what? I'm part of those communities and I'm a representative of those communities too. Exactly. You're a woman and you're also from Mexico. Mm -hmm. like you're Latina. Actually, I love what you have on LinkedIn. Your uh, title is a powerhouse Latina trailblazer in tech. Mm -hmm. I really love that. It resonated so much with me when I saw that. And I mean, it's clear that you are pas passionate about the people mm -hmm. and the startups that you're helping. Um, and why you started doing it, it because of their challenges. But um, what was your personal journey in those challenges? Yeah, that's, um, that's a question I, I love because we all have a story, right? We all have a story to tell and our stories are unique. I think in my case, I was uh, lucky enough with my transition, first of all, to the States in the sense that I was in tech already. So obviously, tech is a very great industry in terms of jobs and opportunities. So uh, when I was in Mexico, I decided that uh, I wanted to study more. So I went to live in London. That's another uh, part of my, my expat journey. But living in London, was studying in London, furthering my studies. I got a master's degree there. And then when I went back to Mexico, I got opportunities to join different companies, both in Mexico, but also opportunities to join companies here in the States. And I decided to take the opportunity and the offer to, to come here with a startup company at the time. So, so I came here. So the job part was sort of taken care of. So I had a job, but when I first landed here, um, I didn't know anyone. And that could probably resonate with many of our audience. Um, I didn't have family. I didn't have small friends. I didn't even know the cultural norms in the workplace, right? Um, so I have a lot of funny stories that I can talk about in that regards. But, uh, but needless to say, so there were challenges, both because I was one, a woman in engineering, but I was the only woman in my entire team when I first got here. Second, I was a woman, but I was also Latin, which also meant that I had an accent, right? Yeah. I had different norms to work with. I had different habits of work, right? So for instance, um, Latin America, if any of our listeners are from Latin America, you know that 
for instance, lunch meetings usually take two to three hours. Well, that just doesn't exist, right? Here in yeah. the States, you barely yeah. have an hour. And ideally, you will have half an hour and you will make it a working lunch. And if possible, don't leave your desk, right? So yeah. that's very, very different. Another one is in Latin America, we're very formal with work. So in the way you dress, your dress code, it's, you will always be wearing a suit and things like those. Here, of course, in Silicon Valley, there's a very relaxed culture in that sense for dress code. So I had to change all those things in a way to one, fit in, and, and two, just to know that I feel like I belong here. So, yeah. and some people have the challenge of saying, well, sometimes when you do that, you may not feel like you're being authentic to who you are, or you may be kind of like self-imposing beliefs that are not yours necessarily. But sometimes the way I look at it is you're navigating yourself, you're navigating your culture. It's just that you are trying to work with the norms of the place or the community you are in, and that will work in your favor too. I agree. And actually, when you were saying this, I was already thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm really interested to know, like, um, how has now the American culture has become part of your identity? Because, yeah, maybe authentically, um, authentic way of living to you, your own cultural norms. But that is also something that just happened to you and you are not static. So when you move around, you also get to engage with other cultures and they can impact you. You can still be authentic in a way. Personally, I believe that. So. Now that you, I don't know how long you spent now in the U.S. working, but can you maybe share about how you've included the American culture and the working culture into your identity? Absolutely. And let me start by saying, Amanda, that uh, any culture that we're in or that you face or that you're going to be a part of, whether that's a workplace culture or just a community social culture that you're going to be a part of, you need to be open, right? So open to challenge and, and really look at those challenges as opportunities for you to grow. Uh, and I would also say, take the things that are good because each culture, each workplace will have things that are good for you. Yes. So I would say, take the good, discard the bad, and the ones that you're not sure, just give it a try, right? And then you will make your decision about it. In my case, I've been, to answer your question, I've been in the U.S. for about 20, almost 25 years, uh, working always in Silicon Valley and living in the, in the Bay Area. So I lived my first years in a place called Sunnyvale, which is more in the South Bay. If you're familiar with that. And then San Francisco is in the North Bay. So, and I've been in San Francisco for more than 20 years now. Uh, in terms of how that has shaped my own workplace culture is, uh, I would say mainly two things. One is my whole focus and approach to how I address my career when I present that to others and how I conduct myself in the workplace. I came from a culture um, very similar to many Asian cultures, for instance, when we're very much... Um, used to say, talking about the we and, and the teams and it's our family and our workplace is also part of our family. And that's not necessarily the case here in the States. So I, I learned to change a lot of the we's and the teams for the I, right? I have done this or I have led my team to do this or I approach this that way and the team follow up or something like that. So that's one of the things. It's just changing your, your mindset in the sense that it's more about the I and how you present yourself. Yeah. Um, not, not saying that you're not part of a team, but it's really the focus now it's on, on, on yourself a little bit more. And then the second thing is there are some habits that are pretty good, um, in terms of, and I should say, depending on where you are, right? West coast and East coast in the States is very different. A lot of people think that the West coast is more relaxed and the habits and the culture is, it's more casual and the East coast, like people from New York are very, very, very direct, right? Uh, but I'd say in general, I think part of the culture being 
with so much focus on productivity and efficiency and um, and things that are more direct and more um, specialized. I think that's another thing that I have changed and I have adopted, right? For instance, to say, to say that if I'm investing time on something, it has to be productive, right? I cannot be wasting time. So that's one of the things. And, and that's why a lot of people complain that Americans are such workaholics, right? We don't have much vacation, but I would like to challenge that assumption because to give you a sense, for instance, in my past two, three companies, if you are a director level and above, you have what's called unlimited vacation. So, for instance, right, I, we don't even we don't even track it. We don't have to clock in or clock out, right? So you just get to an agreement with your manager, and off you go. You can go three weeks, a month, whatever. But there's a catch: you gotta be available, right? You can go on vacation, but if there's an urgent thing, that you gotta be available. But yeah. again, uh, it's something that maybe not too many people know. Or yeah. the other thing that, uh, especially in Silicon Valley, also the culture is that especially for San Francisco-based people. There's a very strong culture about green things, right? Sustainability and the planet and being a community member. So helping companies um, and helping yourself and your teams uh, impact the communities you live in positively, you have a lot of help for that. So in some companies, they give you lots of days to, to work as a volunteer in your community at nonprofits and all those things. So those are positive things that I have adopted into my workplace culture too. Yeah, nice. I like that you pick the things that really suit you and that you find good about the culture and really adopt them. And I just want to go back to the challenges that you faced as a, a Latina woman uh, in engineering um, in a new country that you didn't know anything about. You arrived there alone. Uh, first of all, I'm curious, what made you decide to go for that job? And second, like you just, it sounds like you thought you were really good at observing the norms and the practices and you made it your own. But what were some really big challenges that you face and how did you overcome them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can think of uh, maybe a couple of examples, Amanda. And I guess from an overall perspective, I would say that one thing that helped me a lot was to try not to take things too personally. Like when you are an expat and especially when you get to a new place, you tend to be very sensitive about a lot of things, right? Because you're very self-aware that you're kind of like the new kid on the block or you're the new person. And again, I, I look different, I may dress differently, I may speak differently. So you're very self-aware of those things. And if there's any sort of commentary about it, uh, sometimes we take it as criticism and we take it too personal and that will affect the way we behave. So I would say that was one of the first things I learned. <laughs> like, don't take things too personally. Yeah. Uh, some of was that? Good advice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and the other one is be open to opportunities and to challenges that may seem negative at the beginning. Take them as an opportunity to either grow yourself, uh, educate others as well. I'll give you an example. When I first moved here, um, I had um, lots of customers. I was working for an enterprise software company. My role was to support the salespeople presenting technology to customers. Well, I had to deal with a customer that the first time he saw me, he was like, uh, are you going to help me solve my business problems? And I said, yeah, I am. And he was like, well, you're a woman and you sound weird. Where are you from? Oh. And I said, well, I'm, I'm Latin and I'm from Mexico. And his comment immediately was like, what? Do they have women engineers in Mexico? And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I could have taken that personally and I cannot tell you that I didn't a hundred percent. But uh, what I realized is that maybe it's not his fault. He doesn't know he's never been to Mexico, right? So maybe it's an opportunity for me to educate him 
in the yeah. sense that, yes, we do have colleges in Mexico. Women can actually study engineering and I'm here and I am able to help you, right? Yeah. So it took me a while to convince that, that particular customer, but he realized it. He completely changed his perspective about my country, myself, women, professionals in tech and all that. Uh, but it was a challenge, right? It was really a challenge. And it made me feel bad, honestly, when he mentioned that. Um, another time, it was uh, pretty interesting too, because uh, going back to one of the things I mentioned in terms of the differences in workplace culture was uh, related to, to how I was dressing. I was dressing very, what for me was casual. So I was not wearing a suit, but I was wearing a jacket with jeans. And it, that was still pretty formal here. So one time my manager actually came to me and pulled me aside and he said, Ileana, can I just ask you a quick thing? And I'm like, sure. And he said, uh, you know, you're making people feel uncomfortable. And I'm like, what? What did I do? Oh my gosh, right? What did I say? Or what did I do? And he said, it's just that you're dressing too formal. And I'm wow. like, oh my gosh, what's formal to me? It's like way beyond the way I'm dressing. But for them, it was still way too formal, right? And I was making people feel like completely, um, really not dressed to do how they were supposed to. And I'm like, okay, so I have to change that. And again, at the beginning, hard not to take it personally because, hey, then you're talking about the way you're dressing, the way you're looking. Yeah. Um, but I discarded that. I'm like, you know what? This is a different culture. It's a different country. And yes, I could see it. It was obvious when I realized that when I was very self-aware, I'm like, you know what? Right. I mean, nobody messes like that. So yeah. I changed the way I was, I was doing it. And now let me address the question also you had, Amanda, after those funny exams. Funny now that I can talk about them, but at the time were probably never funny. Um, but uh, you asked me, why did I decide to take this job, right? Um, so as I mentioned, I had uh, job offers to work at companies in Mexico when I went back from London. And I had three or four offers to come to the States. There were maybe two reasons for me to come to the States. The first one was um, I had not had the experience of working abroad at an American. I had worked with American companies, but never here, never in the States, right? So for me, it was a personal challenge I wanted to do. I wanted to, to really experience, again, life abroad because I love being, being an expat. So I was like, oh, the thrill of a new culture, the thrill of going to a new place, getting to know new people. So it was very attractive. And the second part, quite frankly, of course, it was uh, financial. So it was a good opportunity financially. It was good for me, um, socially and emotionally, maybe not so good because as I said, I didn't know anyone. So I knew that part yeah. was going to be tough, but I had done that also in London because when I went to London, I didn't know anyone either. Uh, however, I was going as a student, which is a different experience too, right? Yeah. And I, I want to bring that up because maybe for our audience, a lot of you may be considering going to a new place or are in a new place, already new country, uh, already uh, with a job or you're a, as a student or you're considering going as a student or as a, as a professional. I would say one key thing I would say it's going to be, I don't want to say a make it or break it type of situation, but really quickly building support networks for you. It's going to be super important because even when I decided to come to the States, the first thing I did is, who do I know yeah. in general, right? I mean, is there anyone I know, maybe not even in San Francisco where I'm going to live or in the Bay Area, but maybe in New York, maybe in Arizona, maybe in Texas, yeah. right? I started combing my network and I realized that maybe a couple of people that I had studied with in London uh, were here. So yeah. I was reaching out to them. So very, very important for you to start thinking about that. And the other thing is your support network at home, because even though you're going to be living abroad, it's not like you're going to 
forget about your family or your friends in your home country, right? And they can be great at supporting you because there will be the times when you will feel very homesick in the new country that you're going to be living in, or you will face challenges and you will not know what to do. I would say, think about it. You have your network at home. So don't, don't neglect that network. Even if you go live abroad, keep nurturing those networks abroad and at home too. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with both uh, with both items in a way. So uh, the, the new network that you just want to build ASAP because you never know when a challenge arises. It can be stress at work. It can be a personal thing that comes up, burnout or someone you love is gets ill and you can't go there. And it's so good to have people around you who can support you, even if they don't know you yet for a long time. And I also agree with the other part, like don't neglect your uh, network at home. I am... Um, I worked at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in the Netherlands, and I know a few people who are a bit older, and they had several posts already with their family, and they somehow neglected their friends uh, back home. So it's a natural thing. If you live abroad for years and years, you only go back once a year. It's difficult to, to maintain them. Nowadays, it's easier with all the, the tech that we have. Um, uh, but still, I think it's, even I, like I've been here in Rio now for six days, and uh, I'm already like, oh, yeah, I still need to write those people back home. And I just... I sometimes don't even respond to their messages. And I do that at home as well. But then at least I get to see them sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, and now I'm like, I need to spend extra attention to this because otherwise uh, we will grow apart, basically. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, no. And, and you're right, uh, Amanda. And I think that's that especially just happens because when you're in a new place, it's almost like all your focus and energy concentrates in the new place, right? Because yes. in a way you feel like comfortable that, okay, my network is at home and they are fine and they are going to yeah. remember me and they are not going to forget about me, right? Yeah. But but there's something very, very important. Um, and I've done workshops around this topic. It's called intentional networking. So okay. so being good at networking is always good for you, right? Professionally or personally. But being intentional about the networking efforts that you do is even more important, right? Because yeah. to your point, we all only have 24 hours a day and your focus and energy is in set, getting settled in your new country. But at the same time, if you intentionally say, you know what, I want to put aside a couple of hours every month to yeah. just connect with my network at home, right? Just to do a check-in, how's everybody doing? And then if, if you have a large network at home for family and friends, you don't have to do it on a one-on-one -on -one basis because sometimes that can be very taxing and you don't have enough time. But you can do like a, <clears throat> a friend of mine just to do this. Uh, he had like his own personal newsletter that he would keep family and friends uh, up to speed on what he was doing in the new country on a monthly basis. Yes. And it was great because everybody would know what he was up to, if he needed yeah. help with something. And it was a nice way that he didn't spend too much time, but still kept in touch with them. Right. Yeah. So there are some best practices about that too. It's really good. I actually did that the, when I moved to Brazil the first time in my first year and people still felt connected to me. Um, but now I'm so active on Instagram and I have my podcast. So whenever my family wants to know anything, I'm just like, look me up online. <laughs> I'm going to be there, right? And look at yeah. the universe. <laughs> yeah. Can you share maybe a little bit more about how you could use intentional networking for the new network? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I'd say there's uh, a few things that you can do, right? Uh, and it always starts with the first question, which is what do you want the network about and why? Right? Yeah. So those two things are critical. Once you have the what and the why, then you can start your outreach. You can start looking at who can help you, uh, who are those people you should connect with, right? When you are in a new place, um, I'd say, especially if you're going for a new job and you're starting and landing a new workplace, I would say the what would be, well, 
build that uh, network that will be strategically helpful for you, for your job, right? So I started looking at uh, who are the people in my workplace that are going to be instrumental to my success and start trying to target those people to build connections with them and then nurturing the relationships with them. Then I would say, um, once you have that covered the workplace environment and your strategic network, I would say, well, what's your social support network, right? On a personal basis. So you may have, I don't know, you may love sports. You may be a very religious person. You may like, um, you may like to, I don't know, knit or have a hobby or something like that. Or you may love, because we're expats, we naturally speak more than one language, right? So maybe there are communities or groups that you can join to practice your, your home, uh, home language, right? So joining those groups and trying to start finding out those places that you can find a community are, are very important. Yeah. And then intentional networking talks about every connection that you do has to have a purpose, right? And it's great to meet with people. Of course, it's great to reach out to people, but we're all busy. And quite frankly, if you are reaching out to someone, whether it's personal or professional, the first thing they are going to ask about meeting with you is, uh, what's the goal? Why, why are we here? Why are we meeting? Why, why are you reaching out to me? So I would say, just have that clear in your mind. Why, if you're reaching to someone, why are you reaching out to them? What is the goal? And make it a two-way street. In many cases, I think the reason why networking fails, Amanda, is because we want to make it about ourselves, right? It's yeah. like, what do I need from this person, right? And I'm going to ask for that. Even before we even think, uh, why would that person even want to talk to me or respond to my reach, my outreach, right? Um, and in that sense, I want to be very mindful uh, when you're reaching out to people. Think about, is there something that you can give to them? Like, think about a gift, present a comment, right, on something. Uh, is there something you can share with them that's interesting to them? not just to you. And try to do that usually before you are asking for something. Because yeah. otherwise it becomes a one-way street. People will see you as like, hey, you know, this person just reaches out to me whenever they need something, right? Yeah. But they are not interested in me or what I do or what I'm up to. Yeah. So that, that's part of the intentional networking as well. Nice. I love this. Yeah, really good tips. Uh, Indiana, I always like to conclude the interviews with one question for all my guests. I'm going to ask you as well, what is your number one hack to make living abroad easier? Mm -hmm. I would say it's uh, reframing your mindset. And it's uh, whether it's the challenge that you reframe as an opportunity, whether it's a negative thing that you reframe as a learning or a lesson learned about something, whether it's something that, oops, someone said something really bad to me. Mm, let me try to understand where they are coming from and yeah. not take it too personally. I think yeah. a lot of it is mindset, right? So I would say half the problems that we have as human beings, it's because of the mindset we yeah. have, right? It's kind of like the half, half full, half empty glass uh, perspective. Um, so I would say if you, if you start the habit or getting into the habit of being very good and very agile at changing your mindset quickly to turn the negative or potentially negative things that you may perceive as negative, into something positive or something you can learn from or something that's an opportunity for you, that's going to be super helpful in your life, both professionally as well as personally. Yes, I so agree with that. <laughs> yes, especially as a coach, but also personally, I have really trained my mindset as well in the last couple of years, and it has really changed my life as well, the outcome of my life. Yeah, yeah and people will be surprised, right? And people sometimes um, tell me when I suggest that, hey, but why do you, how do you do that? It's not easy, right? Yeah, so of course, but nothing is easy, right? When you're trying yeah. to create a habit, 
especially one that's worth uh, adopting, right? So yeah. I would say start small with changes that are small. I don't know. Uh, it, whenever you wake up, right? When you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, the day is going to be terrible. Like I have these meetings I don't even want to attend. Well, maybe start changing that and say, you know what? Yeah. But by the end of the day, I'm going to feel great because I finished all these meetings and I'm going to have the opportunity to have a great dinner with my family, my loved ones, or I'm going to go meet with a friend. Yeah. So try to start with the small things. Don't try to change your mindset about everything at one time. So yeah. it's the smallest steps. And then I'd say um, recognize progress. Amanda, that's the other thing. A lot of people also tend to be very focused on the major things, right? Like yeah. think about people, oh, I want to buy a house or I want to buy a new car. And it's a big thing. And I'm going to celebrate that. And we sometimes forget to celebrate progress. So yeah, think about even the small progress that you do on a daily basis. Recognize that celebrating yourself with the small things and you will you will feel like you have fuel to keep yeah. going, right? Yeah. So celebrate progress, not just big achievements. I agree. And actually, it's uh, not even about that we all look at the big things. At least uh, my audience, they're often high achievers. They are always focused on improving themselves, getting to their next goal. But even when they reach some of the bigger goals, they just don't even realize because they're already on to the next one or they feel like, oh, it, it's not that important or it's not that big. So I would really like to uh, use your uh, comment as an invitation for them to really see, okay, what can I celebrate this week when you're listening to the show now? Absolutely. I, I love that, Amanda. Yes. And challenge your audience. I would say, what are you celebrating today? What are yeah. you celebrating? Uh, and, and sometimes what don't. Some people may say, I don't have anything to celebrate. And I just should challenge that by saying, well, what do you what do you think you have right now to be grateful about? Yeah, right? That's another key question. If you don't can think of something to celebrate, what are you grateful about? Yeah, right? And that's another way to do it. Yeah, so Ileana, what are you celebrating today? Oh my gosh, uh, one, I'm celebrating that I can reach a, a worldwide audience with you, Amanda. Yeah. Um, and also that um, my daughter, I think you mentioned at the beginning, uh, I live in San Francisco with two daughters. Yeah. My oldest daughter uh, we just went to college uh, three months ago. She sent me a text message last night saying, Mommy, I'm doing well and you don't have to worry about anything. So I'm celebrating today that my fear of, about how she was going to be doing on her own, yeah. it's gone. It's like oh, she's doing totally great. Yeah, that's for celebrating for sure. That's so nice. Okay, Definitely. thank you so much for coming on this Expat Live. I really loved your tips and how you have overcome your challenges and really made it there as a underrepresented Latina woman um, in the U.S. Now that you're helping others uh, to make it in the U.S. as well. Thank you so much. And just a final question. If people want to know more about you, where can they find you? Um, easiest way is on LinkedIn. And I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, so people can find me there. Ileana Quinones, I'm actually the only one, believe it or not, with 900 million people in LinkedIn. I'm the only Ileana Quinones, so wow. you can reach out to me there. I'm always open to connecting. And uh, and the other one, of course, is uh, you can go to my website, iqaccelerate.io. And of course, you can connect me, uh, can contact me there too. Great. I will add those links to the show notes as well. Again, thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to staying in touch with you on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation, Amanda. And thank you, everybody who was listening or watching the podcast today.